Joso. Uh, no. More about gel coat. When the force. Don't you call in the. More importantly. Welcome back to another TV Talkaholics. This is David and Matthew's with me. Hi, Matthew. Hi, David. (laughs) So uh, we decided that since recently we were dealing with the transition from Charlotte Ray to Cloris Leachman on the Facts of Life, uh, at the same time, I happened to be going through Charlotte's IMDb page and discovered she guested on an episode of Phyllis. Mm. So it was perfect timing. And uh, we are still adjusting to the Beverly Ann years uh, on the Facts of Life. And those have been interesting. Can you believe that this is where we are, David? The, oh, oh, my God. No, I can't believe it. We are, we're past two years that you and I have been doing this podcast, let alone three years I've been doing the pod. That, uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy. But when you think of what we've been through, who could have ever predicted if we could talk to our, ourselves when we were sitting in my living room recording season one, episode one, if, if we could have from the future and say, guys, you're not going to believe what is yeah? Yeah, you think Trump being president is bad? Oh no 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 no! More shit coming down the pike. Mm. Yikes! But we are survivors, Matthew. Are we not? Well, and I feel like that first moment when we caught lightning in a bottle, David. <laughs> it was as if you know, it was like the first time Rowan and Martin worked together. It was like the first time Martin and Merman worked together. It was the first time Martin and Lewis worked together. It was a lot like that. A lot of Martins. A lot of Martins. (laughs) So uh, with that, let's talk about Phyllis. This is great because I'm really excited to talk about the show in general. Did you Um, watch it? I did. I watched it when it was on and um, I did rewatch a bunch of episodes. I've been doing some projects around the house and I just turned it on and let the YouTube go because both of the seasons are available on YouTube. Uh, I wish the quality were better. Apologies that the quality video quality of this one isn't a little bit better for you viewers who chose to watch it ahead of time. But um, I like this show. I wish it could have gone on. Here's the problem with Phyllis. Tell me. Because I never really sat down and watched an episode of Phyllis. I'll be honest mm-hmm. with you, because it was it's not easy to find. First of all, like it was maybe had a run on Nick TV land or something for a little bit, but it's only two seasons mm-hmm. and or was it three? Was it three seasons? It was two, two, two. seasons of 24 episodes apiece. So yeah. 48 total. And here's the thing. You have an unlikable character that somehow Cloris Leachman does make you love her. She's like, she's like an early Michael Scott almost. I totally agree with that. I was going to say also uh, like a Fraser Crane. Okay. Yeah. Someone, someone who's, who's fussy, whose head is still a little too far up his own ass thinking he's helping other people and fucking it up along the way due to his own, Uh, hubris his own vanity but what i after a couple of episodes i real i felt had the same feelings that i had when i watched the comeback 
which with the wonderful Lisa Kudrow, who I don't know if you know this day, but I was up for the part of Phoebe back in the 90s. Were you? Um, well, they had they hadn't decided if they were because it was the 90s. They were going to be hip and new age and they were going to make Phoebe a, either a drag character or a transgendered character. So they narrowed it down to me and Lisa Kudrow and they decided, I believe the word they wanted. They said we wanted someone more destitute. Um <laughs> which is why they ended up going with Lisa Kudrow. But I don't know who you had to sleep with to get on friends, but it wasn't the writer, the producer, the camera guy, the script girl, Ross or Rachel. <laughs> anyway, point of the story is after a couple episodes of watching this person just get shit on by everybody, it's tiresome. It's oh like, God. Jesus Christ, like, fuck, just, yeah she's unlikable but everybody just treating her like shit gets old after a while for me like i couldn't watch the rest of the 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 comeback because i was just so tired of everybody treating her like shit okay i hear you oh how many ways can we write somebody to insult phyllis it's like b arthur got tired on the golden girls of all the comments about her looks you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah. it, it kind of got like that. It's like, oh, fucking hey, Cloris. How did you get up and go to work every day knowing that you're going to read a script that treats you like shit? Just <laughs> fucking give Phyllis a win just once. Like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I kind of I agree with you. It's that uh, it's the age old problem of a TV show where you have a popular supporting character. And you think, well, then give them their own show. But it's like, can this person on the side serve the same function in the middle as this colorful uh, fuss budget over the top uh, landlady neighbor on the Mary Tyler Moore show? Phyllis Lindstrom is everybody remembers her for that, not for Phyllis, the spinoff. You say Rhoda, people think of probably both the Rhoda show and her work on Mary Tyler Moore. yeah, it's you're right in terms of she's she's fuss budget. She's um, particular. She's snobby. And everyone around her knows that and tells her that to her face. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was watching one of the later episodes when uh, Bess gets married. Bess elopes. Bess is her daughter who doesn't appear in this show. She oh no, it doesn't appear in this episode, but she was like 16 in the pilot episode. So I don't she's, know. Yeah, she's 18. Yeah, she's 18 when she elopes at the end of season two. Okay. Yeah, but you're right. She is 16 in the pilot. Did you watch the pilot again? Yes. I did too, because I was like, I wanted to revisit how this all got started. And um I had more. Well, it was fun because I watched a couple episodes and it's fun to see so many great guest stars on it. Yeah. Um, And that pilot episode, when they make the Hello Dolly joke, I'm I'm here for it. Yeah. (laughs) She shows up in a red dress at the top of the stairs and that fucker goes, "Um, why do I feel like we should all be singing Hello Dolly? (laughs) (laughs) The thing about the pilot that struck me and it was just setting up in motion what the premise of the show is, is that Lars, Phyllis's husband, whom we never see or ever saw on the Mary Tyler Moore show, he was only discussed. He was like a, a Maris on Frasier. A Vera on Cheers. Yes. Uh, Every and- great sitcom has 
a character that is never seen. Mm-hmm. And, and they tried to do it. that for a while with Alan Brady on the, the Dick Van Dyke show. But then eventually Carl Reiner just started playing him and he became a character in the show. It was like, oh. Carlton, your doorman. Carlton, the doorman. Perfect. <laughs> and uh, Jenny Piccolo on Happy Days, who then they decided that we needed to see. And it was like, oh, I liked her better when I could imagine who she was. Iola's mother on Mama's Family. Oh, yes. So true. <laughs> so true. I think that's great writing when they can um, have characters that you never see. For, that, allows... for that long, when they can sustain it. Oh, my yeah. God. And then the point on Rhoda, when Carlton, the doorman, at one point, bzzzed at the door. What's that? Oh, that's Carlton. He's delivering a, a painting or something. Oh, he's here. Great. Come on in, Carlton. And he comes in. And he's got the painting in front of him where you can't see his face. Yeah. They, they did a, a, a last minute Halloween party or a costume party. So Lorenzo Music is sitting there on the couch, but he's got a fucking face mask on. But you hear him drunkenly saying to the mask, this is college and you're enjoying it. <laughs> I just love that he was the voice of Garfield. Yeah. So Before every, Bill Murray. Every, oh, fuck that. Every time I hear... Carlton the doorman. I just picture Garfield down there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So yeah, the, the premise of Phyllis is that she has moved back to her hometown of San Francisco. That is new information. There's never ever talk of her and Lars originally courting and marrying and being from San Francisco. What brought them to Minneapolis in, into the orbit of Mary Richards is anyone's guess. Maybe it does eventually come out. I suspect not. But um, and Lars apparently had some financial problems and left Phyllis nothing. So she is half. Uh, so she is left with no place to go with her daughter other than her in-laws, and that would be her mother-in-law, which is the character of Audrey, played by Jane Rose. And her new husband, so technically Lars's stepfather, Judge Jonathan Dexter, played by Henry Jones. Again, just why that? Why, like, why not Lars's parents? Yeah, why not? Why did he have to have a stepdad? And I guess maybe a, 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 it's a it's a writing device so that the mother knows Phyllis but the dad doesn't because oh. they meet, you know what I mean? Like, he's like, I don't know who this Phyllis person is. So he's meeting this Phyllis person for the first time while the mother-in-law is like, yeah, this is, this is yeah. Phyllis. We hate her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so yes. I guess maybe it's an interesting writing device, but um, yeah, I thought that was weird. Like his stepfather. And then on the pilot episode, like she goes to live with her in-laws She's lost her son. Yeah, get out of my brain. Get out of my brain. The whole episode is focused on Phyllis and her being widowed. And the character of Audrey's just like, oh, well, dear, you can live. It's nice. There's a room upstairs. Oh, best your room's on the right. My fucking son just died. Yeah. I'm broken inside. It's like. There is no time and at no point does Phyllis even say, I, I know that you lost a son, but Lars was the love of my life. I mean, nothing, not even a reference to the fact that this mother no. lost her child. <laughs> and I think it was her only child. Lars, did, were there ever any siblings of Lars's uh, that you think of? I have no idea. I, I, I'm the wrong person to ask, but yeah. 
I don't um, remember. Listeners, I know you'll chime in if you know more about this than I do. But I mean, the the fact that it's based on a tragedy and how many tragedies happened during this fucking show. Mm. Um, one of the characters was murdered. One of the ah. actresses was murdered. And then they added um, Lars's mother, Lars's grandmother, grandmother to yeah. the fucking cast. Yep. Thank God they added they went old and not adding a kid. Last thing we needed was Phyllis with another kid. But um, and then she they married her off and then they both died. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, you like know what? fucking night court over here. Like we can't cast this goddamn part. Jesus Christ. But yeah, Judith Lowry as Mother Dexter. She's she's the mother. She's Lars's step grandmother. So she's the mother of Judge Jonathan of yes. Henry Jones, not the mother of Audrey. Um, but yeah, you're right. And uh, Barbara Colby, the one who she only had shot like three episodes as yeah. Phyllis's boss at the photo studio. Uh, she was murdered in what seems to be a drive-by shooting outside an acting studio where she and a friend were just standing in the fucking parking lot. Yeah. And it's never been solved. Nope. And she was the estranged wife of Robert Levitt Jr., who is the son of Ethel Merman. Mm -hmm. Which is also just when they go into all the tragedies that befell Ethel Merman in her life, yeah, uh, that was that was one of them that it was like, wait, what? So, uh, yeah, that's where Liz Torres took over. God, Liz Torres. How many TV series has Liz Torres been on? I love her. I do, too. And love she her. is um, I will always remember her as Madame Rita on um, Mama's Family. She oh, was she in Mama's Family? <gasps> yeah. Oh, she was uh, John Larroquette's secretary on the John Larroquette show, the show in the late 80s, early 90s. That was the follow up to Night yeah. Court. And uh, she was great in that. But uh, my earliest recollection of her was as Teresa, the Puerto Rican uh, border that Archie and Edith take in in the later seasons of All in the Family, uh, initially having met her as being... Um, she was like an admissions person at the hospital when Archie went to go and have an operation. So it was, um, yeah. Uh, Archie dealing Archie having to give his personal information to a Puerto Rican girl. Whoa. Dear. Uh, yeah. And the people at, uh, her work, uh, Liz Torres, as well as the kooky photographer, Richard Schall, uh, in this episode, he's just running around wearing weird hats and disguises and kind of wasted. In the pilot, there was a fun running thing of him photographing this beautiful dog. This is it like a basset hound that was just standing there posing the entire uh, show and him trying to get a, a performance out of this dog to photograph it a certain way. Richard Shaw is the husband in real life of Valerie Harper, Rhoda. But then in season two, they decided, well, well, let's talk about the fact that they retooled the show in season two because ratings were already, uh, it scored really, really high like new shows do. And then it didn't do so well as it went along. I think part of that is because it started out on Monday nights between All in the Family 
and Rhoda, which were two of the top rated shows. Uh, and the ratings were good, but they dipped a little bit and they suddenly were like, we need to retool the show. So then we left the photo studio and then in the second season premiere, which I watched and it's like another fucking pilot. Like it starts off with her saying, well, you know, since my husband Lars died and I'm living here in San Francisco, relocated from Minneapolis with my daughter living with my mother-in-law and her husband, dot, dot, dot. It's like, okay, well, I guess we didn't need season one. But she's hired as an assistant to a San Francisco city supervisor. And uh, that would be uh, Carmine Caridi is the actor who plays her boss, Dan Valenti. But the other uh, city supervisor, who is his colleague that works in their office and was a regular character in season two, was John Lawler, who is the actor that played Mr. Bradley in season one of The Facts of Life. Yes. Full circle moment, people. Funny, you're a stranger who's come here, come from another town. (laughs) Small world, isn't it? So to continue with the the sort of lifespan of the show, season two didn't do much better for Phyllis. And part of the reason was, of course, all in the family was starting to lose its luster. It was starting to wind down. And I don't know when Mike and Gloria left, but it was coming up soon if it hadn't already. But also the second season of Phyllis coincided with the third season of Rhoda when Rhoda and Joe separate and divorce. Yeah. And... Have you watched those episodes? It's painful. Devastating. (laughs) Devastating. And I mean, every single synopsis that you see of Rhoda is that, well, they go into couples counseling and Joe says, I never wanted to marry you. I only did it because I felt pressured. And it's, it's like, dude. Yeah. I mean, we get that shit in real life. Why would they have thought we wanted to hear that on television and have it said to a woman that we have loved for six years? The highest rated wedding in television history. (laughs) And And yet we're going to do that. We're going to we're going to do that to this poor girl that America loved and finally won she finally won and phyllis ruined her wedding (laughs) phyllis's one job was to get rhoda to her wedding and she shows up without her and she does and rhoda has to take the subway they went out on location Uh, and filmed valerie harper in her wedding dress on the subway hilarious i remember it like like it was yesterday i remember watching that when it happened and yet in the next, well, that was in the beginning of season one. Then we had season two with Rhoda and Joe. It's great. It's like, it's a show about a young married couple. And, you know, it's his second marriage. He has a kid, I think. Yeah. Uh, Trivial Pursuit, who played his ex-wife. Oh, shit. Joy Boulevard. No. Close, though. <laughs> Close, but not even. Nancy DeSalt. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> It was Joan Van Ark. Uh, But the deal is, uh, so Phyllis season two was trying to gain traction while Rhoda was, I mean, people wrote in hate mail. And and I agree. I remember even as a kid, and what is this? This is 1970, 
six to 77 at that point. So 76 to 77. So I was, I wasn't even 10. I was like eight or nine years old. And I remember as a kid thinking, that's so sad. Why couldn't they stay married? That sucks. But uh, I would like to really hear about, I would like to talk to him or go back in time and be a fly on the wall. What happened, Joe, that you did because it was him who didn't want to do the show anymore. Are you sure? That's what I have read that he just didn't want to be on the show anymore. Oof. They could have darened that shit and just cast another actor for fuck's sake or killed him off. Yeah. Or something. I mean, and have her move to San Francisco with her mother in law. <laughs> and but anyway, so Phyllis unfortunately had an uphill climb already. Didn't they that. spin off her mother? Didn't they spin off? Um... Ida. Yeah. I think they did a on Nancy Walker show, but she didn't play Ida Morgenstern. Okay. But she came back to Rhoda, didn't she? Like she was. Yeah. In fact, both she and um, the actor that played her dad, both of them were trying out new series during the divorce season of Rhoda. And Ida does appear at the beginning, but then she goes away, but they both come back to it in the following season. And uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so Phyllis sadly did not last longer than two seasons, which sucks. Um, she tried two series. They did the Nancy Walker show and Blansky's she also did Beauties. Blansky's Beauties. Do you remember that one? No, not a word Oh, of I'll that. give you. Oh, okay. Blansky's Beauties, where she was like the manager of a theater with showgirls or something. Like Blansky's Beauties was yeah. her troupe of young, pretty dancer girls. And she was in charge of them. But here's the best part. Uh, I think it was Nancy. I think she was called Nancy Blansky. Yeah. She was the cousin of Howard Cunningham on Happy Days. So they introduced her on Happy Days as his cousin. And then Blansky's Beauties was a spinoff, but Blansky's Beauties took place in modern times. Suddenly it wasn't the 50s anymore. Somehow she didn't age in 20 years. Well, and Scott Baio was on it. With, mm-hmm. And so was, I mean, you've got all these people from. Yeah, the girl who played Lori Beth, the girl that eventually married Richie. That was, she was on the show. But Scott Baio played Anthony DeLuca. He didn't play Chachi. Nope. <laughs> nope. Wasn't it, he Chachi on Happy, Happy Days. Days? Yeah. No, it's. It... It's the Gary Marshall Cinematic Universe, and it always it's it's sloppy from the the outset, really. Anyway, you ready to talk some nuts and bolts? Mm. So Phyllis, season one, episode 12, called So Lonely I Could Cry. We chose this episode because Charlotte Ray is making a guest appearance on it. Now, the version that you find on YouTube, clearly something is chopped off from the beginning because we don't see who wrote it or who directed it. I looked it up and I was quite surprised to find what I found. What did you find, David? It was written by Mary Kay Place and Valerie Curtin. Not Mary Kay and Valerie. Come Uh, on. Do you not recognize either of those names? Not any of, not, uh, not any of the three that I just said. Mary Kay Place would be the name you'd be likely to know, Matthew, because she was also an actress And uh, she started her career writing for Mary Tyler Moore, MASH, often collaborating with uh, a young female writer named Linda Bloodworth Thomason, who would go on to create. Um, 
designing women. Yes. Okay. Correct. Oh, now, it's, Mary it's Kate, all up there. It's just the attic door has been shut for a while. <laughs> I, I say my my hard drive is rusty, so it takes longer to access the information. Well, that sounds dirtier. Uh, <laughs> so Mary Kay Place was in movies like Starting Over, The Big Chill, uh, Chevy Chase movie called Modern Problems. More recently, she had a recurring role on Shameless. She had a movie out in 2018, highly critically acclaimed, called Diane. It was a drama. I think it was on Hulu. The role that she is probably best known for is she played a supporting role on Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, back in the 70s. On that show, she played a country western singer. And in fact, under the guise of that character, she released two country western albums. And one of them, she was nominated for a Grammy. And she wrote some of the songs on it. So when she hosted Saturday Night Live, I believe in 1978, she was both the host and the musical guest. Jesus, she was the Kanye West of her time. (laughs) And Mary Kay Place also directs. She would go on to direct episodes of Dream On and even Friends. But that's it. But sadly, you know, her heyday was in this really concentrated period of time. I had no idea she was a writer early in her career. And uh, I mean, it's, it's mind-blowing. And uh, let's go on to Valerie Curtin now. Valerie Curtin is the cousin of Jane Curtin from Saturday Night Live. And Valerie Curtin was married to writer-director Barry Levinson from 75 to 82. Mm. Barry Levinson, probably his biggest thing would be Rain Man. Uh, but he's got a ton of other stuff that he did. Uh, he collaborated with uh, Mel Brooks on High Anxiety in the comedy realm. But uh, I think Rain Man was his big Oscar sweeping winny thing where he won Best Director, Best Picture, maybe Screenplay too. I think he wrote that as well. But anyhow, Curtin and Levinson were a writing team as well as uh, a husband and wife team. Uh, Valerie Curtin also wrote for Mary Tyler Moore. Uh, She and Barry Levinson were nominated for an Oscar for their screenplay for And Justice for All, which is the Al Pacino movie from 1979, where everyone best remembers, you're out of order, you're out of order, this whole trial is out of order, they're out of order. Those words were written by Valerie Curtin. I didn't realize Joe Polnicek did a movie. (laughs) That was, it wasn't my Joe Polnicek slash Bowser from Sha that was my Al Pacino. Okay. Anyway, Valerie Curtin would also go on to write Best Friends, Burton Goldie movie, Unfaithfully Yours, Dudley Moore movie, Toys, a Robin Williams movie. And she has a ton of guest spots on sitcoms as an actress, including one of the unaired pilots for Three's Company, where she played the role of Jenny, which would eventually be rewritten into the role of Janet, and it would have Joyce DeWitt playing that role. So that bitch, Joyce DeWitt, as she, is no, <laughs> as she was known around Valerie Curtin's house. <laughs> but here's the thing. Things worked out okay as far as if she wanted to be an actress on a sitcom, her wish came true <clears throat> because Valerie Curtin to me will always be Judy Burnley on 78 episodes of 9 to 5, the TV show based on the movie from 1980, the series ran 82 to 88. That's the Jane Fonda role, as it were. 
And yeah, she was a regular on that. And she was awesome. Which again, full circle, because Lars's stepdad in this was in the movie Nine to Five. He was. Oh, my God. You're right. To wrap up Valerie Curtin, she hasn't done much since 2006, but she is 80 years old. She's had a fucking career. Yeah. So brava to her and brava that this episode was written by two women and was also directed by a woman, Joan Darling. Do you know the name Joan Darling? No. Nobody does. And yet, here's the deal. She did do some acting. She played, uh, get this, 78 episodes. So that's literally the same amount of episodes that Valerie Curtin played Judy Burnley. From 1971 to 1974, she played the role of Frida Krause on the TV show, Owen Marshall, Counselor at Law. Remember that one, right? Owen Marshall, Counselor at Law, starring Arthur Hill, Joan Darling, a young unknown Lee Majors. Anyone? Anyone? Guess that didn't make it to TV land, huh? Never heard of that show, ever. Have you? No. No. Not even for a second. As a director, she would go on to direct Rhoda, Mary Tyler Moore Show, This, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, MASH, um, Taxi, Magnum P.I., Steven Spielberg's Amazing Stories. And uh, she was nominated but didn't win for the Emmy for directing an episode of MASH in 1977. But in 1985, she won for directing an ABC after-school special called Moms on Strike. And she was the first woman ever to be nominated for an Emmy for directing. And the nomination was for a little episode of a little show called The Mary Tyler Moore Show. And the episode is Chuckles Bites the Dust. (laughs) Which I just watched like last year, I showed it to Justin. Justin had never seen it. So I said, child, you need to see this. And fuck, it holds up. God, it is one of the funniest half hours ever, ever in the history of television. God, it is funny. Wasn't Chuckles another one that we never saw? But we like we did we hear? Did we see Chuckles? The oh, no. Oh, no. We never saw Chuckles. Yeah, no, no. He was only ever talked about. And I think that's why they felt comfortable killing him off. It's not like Gordy died. But uh, <laughs> Also of note on this show, Glenn Charles and Les Charles are consulting producers. They would go on to produce the Bob Newhart show, Taxi, and they would co-create a little show called Cheers with James Burrows, of course. The wonderful. Um, You made a comment before about Henry Jones also being in the movie Nine to Five. Uh, He's not really in this episode. Watching some of the others with him in it, I swear to God, he's doing W.C. Fields. Yeah. There's a there's a, a, tra- a, a, a garbage men strike. And he's like, well, you know, back in my day, we didn't have a problem. Whenever the trash men went on strike, we just throw the garbage at their faces. Like, as opposed to him going, oh, yes, my little chickadee. Well, his line in um, nine to five is he's on the elevator with Frank Hart and he goes, this is your floor. You run it as you please. Yes, yes. 
That's right. <laughs> but for some exactly reason, there. that was always his thing. It's 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 a little bit adjacent to Mr. Lazzaroni doing it sounds a lot like my main accent, but who was on the pilot episode? Who was in the pilot episode? I noticed that too. Mr. Lazzaroni is there. Oh my god, all the Oprah full circle moments. We need an exorcist and I mean it. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> But the show, uh, Phyllis, back to this overall, was created by Stan Daniels and Ed Weinberger. Both of them were writers and producers on the Mary Tyler Moore show. And uh, the show was never released on home video, Matthew. They released a special um, on VHS. One VHS release, and it was two episodes. Yeah. That's it. It was called Phyllis Volume One. (laughs) <laughs> as though they had thought there might be another one, but never got a volume two and it never came out on DVD. It never. Interesting. Uh, it, yeah. So how about that theme song? I love this theme song. Such a great theme song. How would you describe the style of music? It's, it's like it's, Hello Dolly, isn't it? Well, it's, it's MAME is what it is. It's. it's oh Jer- yeah. It's, it's Jerry Herman. And. It's um, it's just it's exact. I mean, it's exactly like Mame. It it's, is. Who you coax the blues right out of the horn, Mame? But at the end, throwing in the it sure isn't you. Come on, <laughs> it's fabulous. Oh, and Philip, the look on Cloris's face when they. Yeah. Oh God, she's just so good. Yep, and I didn't realize till I looked up the lyrics how they are like we're in San Francisco. We're in San Francisco. The lyrics are, I'm going to state them. Who makes the fog surrounding the Golden Gate simply disappear? Phyllis. Phyllis. Who makes the warning bells on the cable cars play the gangs all here? Phyllis. Phyllis. Who charms the crabs of Fisherman's Wharf right out of their shells? Who lights the lamps of Chinatown just by walking in view? Who? Phyllis. Phyllis. It sure isn't you. And they took a day and filmed her walking around San Francisco, making sure it was very clear that's where we are. And the other thing that's interesting about the opening theme is that we have the new footage of her frolicking around the Bay Area. But then when we go to the actual close-up clips, it's all shots of her from the Mary Tyler Moore show. And they make like an animated collage out of it. That was like yeah. technically complicated. Wow. That was that wasn't nowadays. You like literally click, click two buttons on your friggin' computer, and it, that collage is made for you. But that was like they probably had to animate that by hand for fuck's sake. <laughs> Before we start talking about the synopsis of the episode, uh, I think we do have to tackle a, a very important topic: mm. Phyllis's hair. <laughs> okay. Uh, she had literally a hairstyle for season one, and then a different hairstyle for season two. Uh-huh. This one, I will call her Sybil Shepherd look. Okay. Doesn't it make you think of like Sybil Shepherd and Moonlighting? Okay. You don't think so? Well, how would you describe this hair? <laughs> I, just, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, it's not her pulled back cascading curls. Like well, we no, always saw it's her. not 1970 anymore. <laughs> Oh, no, it's 1975. Whoa, look out. Well, I mean, it's 1986 on the facts of life. And it's not Blair has different hair. So, of course, she's got different hair than she would. 
<laughs> now, I don't know if it's just the, the low quality of the images and the visual, but I mean, this hair is a much more becoming style for her. And it's very youthful. Cloris Leachman is extremely trim. She dresses very stylishly. I'm looking at this going, how is she 49 years old and she looks younger here than Blair and Joe do in 1985 on the Facts of Life when they're 20? <laughs> how, how is that? It's, that's the magic of Cloris, I think, is what it is. Mm. <laughs> but season two, she has a shorter side part bowl cut. It's a little bit more age appropriate, but I don't like it. Makes her look older. Looks like Florence Henderson in The Brady Brides. So, yeah. No. No, I like it longer, softer, and more youthful. Just saying. That's it. I've spoken. That's what she said. <laughs> so um, let's talk about the plot of the show, shall we? All right. I talk so goddamn much. How about, do you want to give like a broader overarching description of what happens in the episode? Um, yeah. Um Cloris is lonely and goes to a Lonely Hearts Club. Then she meets um, Charlotte Ray and some lecherous guy. Oh. And the meeting is run by um, Mike TV's mom from Willy yes. Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yes, I noticed that too. <laughs> Who Can we talk about her for a second? Or are we going to get to her? Do it. No, talk about her. Her name was Dodo? Yeah, um, she she's Nora Denny is the actress's name, but she is also billed in some places as Dolores Denny. I don't know which is her real name, but apparently a nickname for Dolores was Dodo. So she's credited in this episode as Dodo Denny. And sometimes <laughs> and sometimes it's in some I was looked her up on IMDb and some of her credits, it's put into two words. So it's doo doo. <laughs> And you always know you're doing well as an actress when you got to change your name. Like yeah. throughout, Oof. like, first of all, what agent were you listening to? That was like, we're going to call you Dodo. Yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless you're a burlesque performer that is there for comedy. I don't know if I would be like, yep, yeah, you know what? My name is Dodo Denny. That would be the name of one of the dancers on Blansky's Beauties. Well, and then she's going to let somebody fucking split it up and call her doo-doo, Denny. <laughs> and then we're going to land on Nora. How about just Dolores? What's yeah. wrong with Dolores, Denny? There's nothing wrong with Dolores. So continuing, she goes to the Lonely Hearts Club. She meets Charlotte Ray. They strike up a friendship. And then at work about a week or so later. Uh, oh, by the way, Richard Shaw, the photographer at work. He's the dad of Wendy Shaw, who voices Francine on American Dad. And neither of them is related to Kristen Shaw, who is the voice of the daughter on Bob's Burgers and was on Last Man on Earth. How funny, there are three Shawls in show business and one of them is not related to the other. Uh, but yeah, talk about uh, what uh, the next development at work as she confides in her, her boss, Ms. Liz Torres. I laughed out loud a couple of times in this episode because me too. Charlotte Ray's character drives Phyllis crazy. Like she wants to go out to lunch with her and be friends with her and everything, but she drives her nuts. Mm. And it's because she's constantly one-upping you. We all have that friend. 
I have two friends like that, Matthew. Oh God, am I one of them? <laughs> because I have three. You have three? A- well, when I say two, I mean two couples. So technically it's four people. That oh, well, I that's have. what I meant. Yeah, I have, I have, uh, yeah, I have, I have, well, and I mean, if I, yeah, six then, I guess for me. And then Charlotte Ray shows up at her work, even though Phyllis says she's been enjoying going out with her a lot. They've been to the theater, the symphony, the ballet, to the movies. And yet she's driving her crazy with this one-upmanship. And she shows up just as uh, Phyllis is in the middle of telling Liz Torres all of this. Julie, Julie is Liz's character. And then she starts in with it again, with this uh, Liz saying, oh, uh, I'm delighted to meet you. I've heard so much about you. And Charlotte Ray says, not as much as I've heard about you. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's just magnificent. It's really That's very great funny. Scene. It is. But then after she leaves, it's like, well, Phyllis, why, why are you having her stay with you? while your in-laws are leaving town. Why is she staying with you for a week when she drives you crazy? And Phyllis says, look, I'm, I'm lonely because I don't know how to be alone. She says, I lived with my family. I went straight from there to living with Lars. And then I became a mother. And then now here I am at this age and I've never learned how to be alone. And uh, Julie says to her, well, It's something you need to learn how to do. You need to get to a point where you can sit by yourself all alone in a chair and be content with yourself. Did you relate it all to that? As far as even when I was a kid, I was alone all the time, entertaining myself. Drawing was my thing when I was a kid. But like the idea of, you can't tell me there wasn't a night, Phyllis, that Lars didn't take best to school or to a recital or to the movies where you at the house to yourself and you didn't go, ah, yes. Being as how she didn't work. It, true. I mean, she did have the house to herself, I guess all day while Bess was in school and, and Lars was working. So, but so yeah. yeah, that is weird. I never thought of that, that she was a housewife. Um, I'm sorry, homemaker, but we've, we've talked about being lonely like the idea of wishing to be in a relationship, wishing to have a partner and things like that. That to me is different from, can you not spend a night at home alone? Can you not spend, you know, seven of those in a row? You can't watch television, listen to a record, call Mary, call Rhoda and have a good conversation on the phone. It's, it's just interesting that this is a problem that, I'm on one hand, I want to criticize as being overly simplistic, but I'm hesitant to do so because I feel like there are people who are really like that. I'm not sure Phyllis Lindstrom is one of those people, though. Mm. What are your thoughts? Mm. I hear you. And those are valid thoughts, David. Okay, (laughs) that's why I can't be alone. I need someone to validate me. How about the people who can't be alone romantically, the people who are always in a relationship, always have a boyfriend. And that just, that is the foreign language. I don't know how to speak where I'm just like, how do you, how do you find these people? 
How do you yeah. find the next one and the next one and the next? Where the fuck do they come from? They're all losers and horrible people, and I want nothing to do with them. I'm not envious of them per se, but right. that you can find anybody, let alone anybody's in succession. It's like, my God, I guess I should be glad I'm not that broken. Yeah, but the fact that this person looked at that guy and said, yes, I want him, not me. Like, it's not that I want them. It's just like, I, I get so annoyed when it's like. It's the thing of, well, I would have said no, but you could have right. asked. Right. <laughs> could have given me the chance to turn you down. So then the next scene is that she is at home just as the in-laws are leaving. And Charlotte Ray shows up. And in a very bizarre twist, Charlotte Ray says, I'm not going to be staying here. And she says, why not? And she says, Phyllis, you're a really nice person, but you have one really annoying trait. You always try to top me. You drive me crazy. At which point Phyllis says, what, what do you mean? I drive you, you drive me bananas. And she says, see? That, then we get into some fucking brilliant back and forth writing. Does I Phyllis that. actually do that? Does Phyllis do that? I feel like she's being gaslit. No, but that's exactly it. That's why it's so fucking maddening and hilarious because she's like, wait, you drive me crazy. See what I mean? <laughs> and Phyllis I, says, please, please stay. Consider, reconsider. I hate being alone. And she says, I know what you mean. I despise being alone. And Phyllis goes, no, you don't. And she goes, Phyllis, you're doing it again. But that was weird. It would have been interesting if there had been something else because I don't see. I, mean, I of, thought that was hilarious. Of all the things that Phyllis does, that wasn't one of them. And that she could notice Charlotte Ray does it. But not be, anyway, that was a little weird for me. I'm glad you think it was funny. I'm not saying it wasn't funny. To me, it was just weird uh, plot wise that that was the thing that she says is what makes her not want to stay. So then she... um finds herself alone and uh, to, let's talk about what she does in this now one evening that Phyllis has to cure herself of, of loneliness. Um, she does a, a ventriloquist act. What is that thing that she has that she's flipping open? I think what it's an ashtray. I, I wondered that too. Okay. It's like a, it looks like a little skillet with a, a flip top <clears throat> lid to it. I think it was an, either an ashtray or something you would dump the ashes in. Okay. Like you would empty an ashtray into it and then close it. And I think. Eventually. Okay. I'm not crazy. I thought that too, but I just couldn't remember. And I, I tried to Google to see what it was, but Google searches were fruitless. Um, she has a pencil and does a drum solo with all the different things around to the delight of the audience. And then she does the Jimmy Durante impression. Because when 1975, you're thinking of something that. <laughs> well, in 1975, when I turn on the radio, I think <laughs> immediately I'm going to hear a, a Jimmy Durante tune. <laughs> that was so weird. But she grabs you a hat off of the coat rack and dances around and does a Jimmy Durante routine. And then God bless him. The, the clerk of court shows up. This is a little cringy. 
but funny. So this is character actor John Fiedler. If you don't know who he is, you know who he is. He has 202 credits in a 50-year career. And uh, from 88 to 91, he was the voice of Piglet in The New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Speaking of doo-doo. But he shows up at the door as Judge Dexter's court clerk saying, oh, there's some documents I forgot to have him sign. Uh, is he home? Can I get him to sign them? And so she's like, ah, a person, come in, have a seat, make yourself comfortable. Would you like a snack, a full course meal? And then he's like, no, I just need to get these signed. And she's like, you swear people in. That must be fun. Do it for me. Let me get the Bible. And so he does the swear, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And Phyllis is just keeping and detaining this poor man when he's like, I need to go until finally he stops and goes, what, what, oh, wait a minute. What is that? Oh. And he says, Mrs. Lindstrom, I'm a happily married man. And she says, invite your wife over. And he says, I am sorry. We are not into that stuff. And he dashes out. And he says, I'm sorry. He's from Wisconsin also, like Charlotte Ray. So he said, sorry, by the way. Mm. But yeah, so him thinking that she was coming on to him, he dashes out. Phyllis is left alone again, uh, talks to the fern, talks to the clock, talks to the lamp. Then the Jimmy Durante thing happens. And then <laughs> the doorbell rings again. She opens it and it's the clerk again. And he says, I changed my mind. What my wife doesn't know won't hurt her. And she slams the door in his face. That was hilarious. And then she repeats the words, just sit in a chair and be content with yourself. And she does, she sits in the chair and she relaxes and she smiles as the music swells. And then realizing she is somehow miraculously now content, she shouts for joy, you made it, as she leans back and flips herself completely over in the chair. The audience laughs at physical humor, Roll the credits. What do you think overall? I mean, again, I, I don't know how you can sustain a show where the character is just constantly being shit on. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I can see why they had trouble with it. Um, and, but Cloris Leachman is just somehow able just like Steve Carell as Michael Scott, able to make that character somehow some, you have some pathos for them. You have some, they're charming. You have some love for them. I don't think there's a mean bone in Phyllis's body. I just think that she is unaware or unthoughtful about what she says to people. Like when she, did you see the episode where she writes a letter to Mary and they have Mary reading the letter? No. She, oh, they've got her talking like the voiceover. She's reading the letter. She, she says something and she goes, oh, I bet you miss me. Like things <laughs> like that. And it's just, just delightful writing for her. But mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I don't need to sit and watch the whole fucking series. Uh, I'm good. A great episode is early in season two. There's an episode where she's having a birthday party and no one wants to come to it. And the woman at the office that she has this adversarial relationship with. And she's like, well, maybe if you had some friends, she's like, I have friends. I have wonderful friends who would do anything for me. I'm going to call my friend Mary right now. Mary, come here to San Francisco right now. I desperately need you. Goodbye. And hangs up. And she says, and I know my friend Mary will come to San Francisco to be here with me if I tell her I need her. 
And then she goes to call Mary back and the line is busy. Cut to later in the show, Mary shows up. She just threw stuff in a bag. She's still in the clothes she wore. And Mary Tyson's like, Phyllis, I got here as fast as I could. They had no food and no movie on the airplane. We sat on the runway for two hours. Like she had a terrible trip. And Phyllis is like, oh, I didn't really mean it. <laughs> it's, it's magnificent. But it's because we have Mary to play off of her. It's, yeah. yeah. It's a really good episode. I enjoy that one the most. And uh, a couple of the funny lines, just as far as the witty writing of it, uh, as she's being introduced around Second Chance, that's the singles group. She says, um, Mrs. TV is saying, here is so-and-so. She's a widow. Here is so-and-so. Divorcee. And then she goes up to this one woman and says, and this is so-and-so. Her husband was lost at sea. And so the woman says, yeah, I'm only an associate member right now. And then Mrs. TV says, yes, her husband hasn't been declared legally dead yet, but we're keeping our fingers crossed. <laughs> and then later, Charlotte Ray has a great line where when Phyllis says to her, oh, I'm so having such a great time. I, I haven't really been out socializing like this. Uh, easily since Lars died. I haven't been out like this in six months. And Charlotte Ray says, I know, I know how you feel. I didn't go out for years. Then my husband died and I figured, what the heck? Charlotte Ray looking 20 years older than she does in the current season of Facts of Life. <laughs> this is Charlotte Ray with uh, short red curly hair. And you're kind of like, that, why, why didn't Mrs. Garrett have that hair? What's with the long hair and the buns, all the buns she had over all the years? But they had to make her matronly. I'm telling you. But this is her, definitely her, her chubbier, different strokes body. And they have her dressed very um, uh, defensively. They've got her in a one-piece A-line dress in a dark color, but a bright decorative scarf around the neck. That whole thing of draw attention to the face. <laughs> and uh but but you're totally right as far as she still looks younger 10 years down the road in 1985 when she's getting ready to leave the facts of life yeah thank goodness she got her health uh pulled together she was already sober at this point she got sober in the early 70s but um yeah i think for a fun time just take a walk down memory lane and take a watch of an episode of phyllis mm-hmm they are all on YouTube. Interestingly, there are a couple of playlists that have them in succession. So you can just click one and it will go right down the whole line of them. Except this one is not there. This one is uploaded at a different place by a different user. And I don't know why. Mm. So um, just, just to search Phyllis TV show or Phyllis Cloris Leachman and uh, you will find it. But I really enjoyed coming back to this. And of course, all the memories it brought of Mary Tyler Moore and Rhoda, they were ubiquitous throughout my childhood. They were the most famous, highest paid women on television next to, you know, Carol Burnett. And, oh, well, and it's fun as you watch the episodes, because I, like I said, I watched more than one, all the guest stars that you see pop up and you're like, oh, he was on, because even in this one, um, what's his guts? Um, Piglet yeah. was on an episode of the Golden Girls 
Mm-hmm. And um, so John he, Fiedler, yeah. And he was on Three's Company too. Yeah. So you see him and you're like, oh my God. And you're just watching all these people that you know from other things. There's the one of the episodes has the um, the pilot episode, the insurance adjuster that she's talking to mm-hmm. was on the Golden Girls. Mm-hmm. He was Ham Lushbaum, who um, wouldn't <laughs> sleep, wouldn't sleep with Blanche. <laughs> and so. the season two, uh, the second pilot, as I call it, the premiere of season two, when she goes for a different job, the 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 plot is actually she gets hired by this young politician to be his administrative assistant and then he is quickly indicted and brought up on charges and removed from office so she thinks she doesn't have the job but then his replacement comes in and hires her well that original the younger politician john ritter and and beautifully hilariously funny god and he was in what john ritter Mm mm-hmm uh, yeah, he was in a show called Eight Simple Rules. Mm, no, another show called Three's A Crowd. Mm-mm. No, anybody watch that? Yeah, I don't. Um, yeah, I don't know what else you'd know him from. Oh, he was the voice of Clifford, the big red dog on PBS. Oh, God, what am I, six? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, wonder what he's up to. <laughs> Haven't heard from him in a while, have we? Mm-hmm. On that note, on that terrible, awful, we should not be laughing note. <laughs> this wraps up another TV Talkaholics, guys. Oh. And we're so thankful for you. Thank you for supporting the show and for supporting us. And uh, we will look forward to being with you again next month with another gem from the golden age of television. Oh, that'll be exciting. I mean, we don't know what it is yet, but we'll no, figure it out. Yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. going to be good. <laughs> Let me tell you. Yes, it is. So, yeah. yep. Later, guys. Thanks again. Mwah. Do you, do you want to say goodbye? Oh, bye. Sorry. Okay. I don't, I don't want to. It's your show. I don't want to sound like I'm getting the last word. No, this is our show. Remember? This isn't. Oh, I just wanted yeah. to hear you say it. <laughs> <laughs> Sure isn't you. Oh, so. Uh, no, more about gel coat. When the fourth. Don't you call in the. More importantly, 